there and welcome to Thrive Church Podcast here in Puyallup, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this sermon of the week. Um, some fun things that I feel like are in my heart that I want to share, but this, uh, I'm not very organized. In fact, I opened up my, my notes. I'm like, nope, I can't start there. That doesn't work. <laughs> So I'm not, I don't have it very organized, but it's it's uh, uh, it's an amazing topic that we need to talk about here. Um, um, last week I was sharing, I think it was last week, about the power of promise, and uh, part of that message I I highlighted the story of Hannah. And uh, her, her pressing through to uh, receive her promise. When, um, and that story has has just uh, it's just been sitting on my spirit all week and remembering it. And um, the, uh, I mean, let me just walk back through the story. Kind of, um, I don't have it in my notes at all, but the story is fairly familiar. For years, she had been barren couldn't have a son and and she endured the ridicule of her arrival um and uh, so every 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 year she would be so um so uh full of sorrow that she would she would not eat she she would uh she would fast not because she was like intending to fast but because she just had no appetite and she uh in this one moment in the story, she cries out to God and she says, if you will respond, if you'll give me a son, I will give him to you. And, and, um, (laughs) and that's of course, when, uh, Eli, the priest, um, perceptive guy that he is, (laughs) saw that thought, thought she was drunk. Right. And, and tells her, you know, really rebukes her, tells her to put away her wine. And, and, and she says, that's not what's going on here. That's not actually what's happening. I'm troubled. I'm deeply troubled. And and um, and uh, doesn't even tell him the details. But Eli basically says, well, if that's the case, then uh, go in peace. May the Lord answer your prayer. And, and Hannah took that as a promise. Um, and we talked last week just about the, the, the reality that... Many times we might actually hear those same kind of words from God, blessing, like, I'm just blessing what you're doing. And what we hear is like, well, it could turn out good. We hear in our spirit, we hear it might be a good thing. Because in, in, if you actually analyze the words, at least the ones we have in, in the English translations that we're looking at, it doesn't say that your promise is sure. God's heard your prayer and what you prayed for will be done. It says may the Lord hear and answer your prayer. May. <laughs> like, but she didn't hear it may. I don't know if you caught that, but she didn't hear a may. She was like, it's done. And she got up immediately and left. And she ate some food. And she, she, uh, she removed the, the mourning and the sadness from her face. Her face was no longer downcast, it says. So... <clears throat> Just that there was such a power in that picture of her response to to this 
proclamation over her life to the to the priest's blessing. Um, that I just was I was just struck by that whole picture and um, and then I, I did read the scripture last week too, but Isaiah fifty four uh, is such a, a picture that connects with the story of Hannah. And it says, uh, this is Isaiah 54, verse 1. It says, Sing, barren woman, you who have never borne a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. And um, that, that's such a, a, an amazing verse because it's telling the woman who's barren to sing not after she's received her promise, not after her promise has been fulfilled, but before to sing now, like right now, you are, God's releasing promise. He's speaking something over your life. He's saying something to you. He's promising you some things. And he's saying before you actually receive it, burst into song, burst into rejoicing over what has happened in the spirit, but you've not experienced yet in the natural. What's finished in the work of the cross may not be finished in your actual life, but we can burst into song and rejoice, shout for joy before our breakthrough. We sang that song this morning. Of course, I, I picked the songs, but I picked that because that song has just been reverberating in my spirit this week. Praise before my breakthrough. And in Isaiah, that same chapter, we, we have these verses that follow immediately after verse 1, verse 2 and 3. And verse 2 especially uh, is a verse that is released over uh, people and over churches and over all kinds of situations all the time. You've probably heard it. I know in our church we received many years ago a prophecy that came right out of this verse um, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent pegs, some versions say. <clears throat> Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your, your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Verse 3 says, For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. That's like, that's like one of the most... Uh, prophetically uttered scriptures ever. But the context of it is, is following verse one. Who is, who is this word to? Who is supposed to enlarge the place of their tent? Who's supposed to stretch out their tent peg? Who is supposed to, uh, to uh, strengthen your stakes, lengthen your course? Who's supposed to do that? The barren one. It's still, it's still continuing from verse 1. Sing, barren woman, you enlarge the place of your tent, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants, the barren one, your descendants will dispossess nations. It's not just saying you're going to have children. It's saying your children are going to bring transformation to the world. So your children are going to be uh, important significant into in the in what's going to be unfolding it's 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 a release of a powerful promise the book of nehemiah i've been reading a little bit of that 
and I've always felt very connected to this story. I've had prophetic words spoken over me about me being Nehemiah. But um, the story of Nehemiah is, is a, an amazing story. Just to just lay some groundwork for you here about, about it. Um, what, what's happened, of course, is the Israelites came into their promised land, right? They came into their promised land, uh, and they began to, uh, to take over the promised land little by little. Um, and then they find a king, um, uh, and that king is Saul at first, but then God chooses David, and David uh, is king. And then they, they have several kings, and they, uh, actually right after David, uh, the kingdom splits, after Solomon actually. The kingdom splits, and then there's all this stuff that begins to take place in Israel, and it's 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 messy. And uh, of course, there, there's the promises of God, and there's the there's the warnings that say, "Don't do this, or you will be, you, you know, I will come in and, and bring destruction." And of course, that's exactly what they do. They do that, and and soon enough, they get carried off into exile. But Babylon came, comes in, destroys uh, Jerusalem. Carries off all the all all the 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 plunder from the temple, all the all the art, the, the the items of silver and bronze and gold. They get carried off into captivity. The walls of Jerusalem are destroyed. The story of Nehemiah is is he, uh, he becomes aware that Jerusalem is in ruins. He and it grips him. He's moved by this fact that. His city, the holy city, Jerusalem, is 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 in ruins, and and he has a place of influence with the king. So he he approaches the king, and uh, through a series of events, the king asks him, like, "What do you need? What do you want?" And he he uh, he he's bold. He's a bold leader, and he goes after it, and he actually. Uh, gets this king to authorize him and a great company of people to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. Right, you're familiar with that 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 landscape, I'm sure. Right, so so he's they rebuild the walls. There's a whole bunch of things that happen. He faces a lot of opposition. A lot has been made of the opposition that 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 Nehemiah faced, uh, Samballat and Tobias, and uh, these guys that are like they're cursing the work of restoration. Um, by the way, there's something really on that word of restoration. God is restoring. He is actually going to the deep foundations of things in your life, and He's bringing restoration. There's something of the Holy Spirit on that word. Restoration is happening. Um, but anyway, so Nehemiah rebuilds, uh, restores the walls uh, through all the opposition. And then, so the walls are completed. And then Nehemiah has Ezra, the priest, come and read the law to the people. They set up in, in, the, in the town square, they set up a, a platform, they build it for Ezra to stand on and to speak and to read the, read the scriptures. And they have, uh, I think it's 12 priests, at six to the right of Ezra and six to the left of Ezra that are standing there not just to, to nod and confirm that the words that Ezra is speaking are true, but to actually interpret it for the people, to help them understand what it means, Right? And so they're, 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 Ezra's reading the book. This is actually a powerful story, but he's reading the, 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 the scriptures and the people are weeping. 
They're mourning. They're like, oh my goodness. Because here's what they realize. They realize we have broken covenant with God. That's why we, that's why our city was in ruins. That's why we were in captivity in Babylon. That's, that's why we understand it says right here in the scriptures that we've just heard. We broke covenant with God. So we were, they were mourning. They were in repentance mode. And guess what happens? Ezra and Nehemiah and the priests go around and instruct the people, stop it. Stop mourning. Don't do that. This day is holy to the Lord. Stop it. Stop your mourning. This is in uh, chapter 8 of Nehemiah, verse, verse 9. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. And here's the famous, familiar scripture. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I don't know how many of you recognize that that's the context of that scripture. For the joy of the Lord is your strength is in the midst of this rebuke from Nehemiah to tell him, stop mourning, knock it off. Wipe that depression off your face. Wipe that mourning off of your face. Do not weep. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. <laughs> the interesting thing, if we like want to kind of just tie the, the passages or tie the different stories together here, is that um, Hannah, who is mourning for her broken, barren condition, She's not eating, but as soon as she gets her promise, what does she do? She eats, right? She stops mourning. The, the, the incredible thing is, is that, um, like, the Old Covenant says, you know, there's, there's a time to mourn and there's a time to weep. It's not actually in the covenant documents. That's actually in the book of Ecclesiastes, I believe. Uh, it's either that or Lamentations. I always get them mixed up. <laughs> I don't know why I do, but I do. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a time to mourn and a time to rejoice. But in the New Covenant, this is from First Thessalonians, uh, it says rejoice always. Why do you suppose that is? Matthew 9, John's disciples come to Jesus and, and they say, how is it that, that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. But no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. Now we've talked about, you know, we've heard, everybody's heard, like, you know, there's God's giving us a new wineskin. Well, the context of that is in this context of, of fasting, mourning versus celebration of what God's doing because the bridegroom is here. The reason we have a new wineskin is because of the new covenant in Jesus, what he did, and it's accomplished at the finished work of the cross. 
It doesn't mean that we never have moments of, of fasting and seeking God. That's not what it's, that's not what it's trying to imply here. But what it is trying to, to, to let us know is that there's a constant state of breakthrough. There's a constant state of increase that the new covenant promises to us. We don't always experience it. Of course, we have seasons and times that we go through in life, but there's always a promise available for us to reach and, and to, to, to step into and to begin to, to believe in. So this morning, I, I want to say this to you um, about, about the season that you're in right now. I don't know what your season looks like. I don't know what you're experiencing, but tell, let me tell you this. Don't wait until you're walking in your breakthrough to give God glory. Don't wait until you're experiencing the fullness of the promise to rejoice. <clears throat> Don't wait. <clears throat> it's time to rejoice now. God is worthy now. He's faithful now. If we wait to praise until we experience the breakthrough, then God's going to be missing out on glory because there's a glory that's released. This is a picture that I believe the Holy Spirit inspired. Um, the, the reality that, that when we give God praise before our breakthrough, when we release thanksgiving to God for what has not yet been accomplished, when we do that, there's a, there's a glory that floods into the heavenly realm that doesn't exist when we just praise him after the breakthrough. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely, completely appropriate for us when God has done something amazing in our life to, to thank him for it. I mean, I, I think it's wonderful for us to remember the things that God has done. Like when we're standing in his presence or we're just spending time with him, just like, thank you, God, for what you did yesterday. Thank you, God, for the, what you accomplished, how you've been so faithful. You provided for me, for my family, that one miracle that happened and this thing that happened. I think it's absolutely fitting for us to declare what God has already done. But I'm telling you that there's a glory that is released into the heavenly realm when we begin to do that before our breakthroughs happen. I think all of heaven stands on tiptoes to hear what's about to happen when they start to see the people of God rejoice before their breakthrough. We're instructed in Hebrews to continually, continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. What's different about a sacrifice of praise than just a regular praise is that a sacrifice costs you something. Right? When we release a sacrifice of praise, it's like I'm praising when I don't feel like it. Yes. Right? <laughs> you know, all of us can lift up shouts of joy when everything's perfect, when we have the breakthrough. All of us can do that, but it takes someone who's like, that understands God's heart to, and understands who he is and that he's faithful and that what he's promised he will do. Hannah knew when she got the word, she was like, it's done. Was it done? She hadn't even conceived yet. But she knew it was done. Something shifts when we begin to step into praise before the breakthrough. I 
hope that you're grabbing onto that in your own spirit and for your own life because um, I believe that this is a season uh, where seasons are shifting. Let me, let me jump to another story um, that's been highlighted to me over the last several months. But uh, Luke uh, chapter 1 tells the story of, of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Um, and Zechariah is a priest, and he gets, uh, uh, they draw his uh, name out of the hat, basically, to go into the holy place. Uh, it was an honor. There were way more priests uh, than, there, than there was opportunity to go and to, to do this particular service in, in the holy place. But Zechariah is chosen to enter into this place and to burn incense before the Lord. And um, it says that a large crowd of worshipers, this is verse 10, I'm reading from the Passion Translation here, but uh, uh, it says a large crowd of worshipers had gathered to pray outside the temple at the hour when incense was being offered. And then it says, all at once. Everybody say all at once. All at once, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was startled and overwhelmed with fear, but the angel reassured him, saying, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God is showing grace to you. For I have come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. His birth will bring you much joy and gladness. Many will rejoice because of him. He will be one of the great ones in the sight of God. He will drink no wine or strong drink, but he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even while still in his mother's womb. And he will persuade many in Israel to convert and turn back to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord as a forerunner with the same power and anointing as Elijah the prophet. He will be instrumental in turning the hearts of the fathers and tenderness back to their children and the hearts of the disobedient back to the wisdom of their righteous fathers. And he will prepare a united people who are ready for the Lord's appearing. And Zechariah asked the angel, how do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is too old to give me a child. What sign can you give me to prove this will happen? Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand beside God himself. He has sent me to announce to you this good news. But now, since you did not believe my words, you'll be stricken silent and unable to speak until the day my words have been fulfilled at their appointed time and a child is born to you. That will be your sign. Bummer for him. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not sign enough, right? Exactly. Hello, I'm an angel, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, the crowds outside kept expecting him to come out. They were amazed over Zechariah's delay, wondering what could have happened inside the sanctuary. When he finally did come out, he tried to talk, but he couldn't speak a word, and they realized from his gestures that he had seen a vision while in the holy place. He remained mute as he finished his days of priestly ministry in the temple and then went back to his own home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for the next five months. And she said with joy, see how kind it is of God to gaze upon me and take away the disgrace of my barrenness. There is a disgrace. There is a shame to barrenness. I don't know if you get this, but God is about fruitfulness. 
He is all about fruitfulness. He's like, I'm looking for fruitfulness. I mean, Jesus cursed a fig tree that wasn't bearing fruit when it wasn't supposed to bear fruit. It was out of season for figs. But Jesus said, it's supposed to be fruitful. He's about fruitfulness. Now, in this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, one of the things that, that, that stood out to me as I've read it, especially some of the footnotes that are in the, the Passion Translation, is that when the angel appears to Zechariah and he says to you, uh, he says to Zechariah, um, um, don't be afraid, God's showing grace to you, for I've come to tell you that your prayer for a child has been answered. So you see kind of this, the, the similarity of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth's story with the story of Hannah that we've been talking about. They were old. Zechariah was old, right? He, he admitted it himself. <laughs> yeah, you know you're old when you start admitting it yourself, right? <laughs> Whatever. So Zechariah, he's old. Like, how is this going to happen since I'm old? Um, the, the indication, this word that is prayer, when the angel says, I've come to tell you that your prayer has been answered, the, the indication is that that word is, could, it could be translated this. It could be translated the prayer that you've stopped praying. How many of you have some prayers that you've stopped praying? Like, you, you've like, in a season of like, whatever, you, you experience the promise of God and you begin to pray, you begin to see a picture of what your life could look like and you begin to pray a certain direction and then nothing happens. And you get discouraged and you get... Um, you know, over time, you know, it's like we pray and we pray and we pray, but we don't see breakthrough. It's not uncommon for us to get discouraged. I've experienced it myself. And we can stop praying. We can actually stop believing in the promise of God. And the angel tells him that prayer that you've stopped praying... I'm coming to answer that prayer. But he doesn't have the right response. He doesn't like immediately shout for joy as the barren woman is instructed to. Some of the, 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 the background of this story is really amazing because this visitation that Zechariah has, the angel coming into the holy place, was the first time in 400 years that anyone on the planet had had a prophetic encounter, a prof an angelic visitation. It was, it's referred to as the 400 years of silence where there was no prophetic word, there was nothing happening. Suddenly, and it, you know that's what it said. It, it was like all at once. I think is how the Passion Translation says it. All at once, an angel appeared. After four hundred years, all at once, Hannah, year after year after year after year, she goes through this 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 uh, mourning, this uh, this sense of brokenness, this sense of barrenness is just grieving her, and she's going through this year after year after year until the moment comes when the priest says. May God 
bless you and give you what you prayed for. This moment for, for all, of, all of Israel, it's not just a, it's not for Zechariah only. I mean, yes, the promise was coming to Zechariah and to Elizabeth that they were going to have this, this child that was the answer to their prayers. But it was all at once that, that all of a sudden heaven is opening up and beginning to release the promises of God, beginning to bring fulfillment where there has been nothing happening for 400 years. Something is opening up. It's the, is the one who's to prepare the way for the Messiah is being released into the earth after 400 years of silence. You might say that Zechariah was discouraged. You, you might say that he was, had given up. He had stopped hoping for breakthrough. And I want to tell you, don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. Stop, uh, stop the mourning. Don't give up on your promises. Yeah. Suddenly, the seasons changed in that moment. And, and um, Zechariah was not ready for the seasons to change. He, he wasn't prepared for this moment. He'd given up hope. The reality is when the seasons change, it's no longer appropriate to think, speak, or act like in the old season. Look at the story of Nehemiah that we talked about, right? They were no longer in a captive season, a season where captivity was the norm. What was being released on them was restoration, and that's why Nehemiah and, and, and Ezra and the priests began to tell them, don't mourn. That's not the season we're in anymore. When it's no longer the season for mourning, it's time to get up. It's time to praise. It's time to release rejoicing and, and shouting to God because there's a new season that's upon us. And I'm speaking this very prophetically over our church, but I'm telling you, it's not just true for us as a church. It's true for you and your life where you're at. The invisible is about to become visible. We believe that when you sow seeds into the ground, what happens? Something begins to grow. A harvest begins to take place. Uh, the growth begins to happen. But in the, in, the, in the early stages of breakthrough, where is the breakthrough with a seed? It's hidden. You don't see it. It's when the, the, you know, the elements begin to break down the outer shell of the seed and something starts to grow. If you had if you had a camera underground, and they have pictures and video of this that, they, that you can watch on the internet now, but back in the day here, they didn't they didn't have that. But um, what we know happens is the seed begins to break open and start to form the plant, and it begins to push out, and it begins to to shed the skin of the of the shell, the the, the hard shell of the seed, and it begins to grow forth and and begins to push through the dirt. And it might be, you know, depending on what it is, it might be two inches below the surface. It might be six inches below. It might, you know, who knows how, 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 how much soil it needs to get through to finally be at a place where it's visible, right? But, but we know when we put the seed in the ground, something's going to happen, right? The time to rejoice isn't once we see the fruit falling off the tree into our hand. 
The time to rejoice is when the seed is there and we know there's promise. The visible landscape may look like barrenness, but once the seasons shift, it's no longer barren land, despite how it may look. And I'm telling you this, this morning that you need to look at your land. All of us could look and find areas of our life that look barren. All of us can do that right now. It didn't, doesn't take us long. We can say, well, that area of my life looks barren. Um, some of you may have a more visible area in your life that you feel like you, that's obviously barren. It could be in your finances. It could be in some relationship. It could be in lots of different areas. But most of us have no problem picking out the barren land or the dry places The, the word of the Lord this morning for us all is to begin to look at that land differently. To begin to see that land as fruitful. Call that place that looks desolate, that looks barren, as fruitful. The facts look like barrenness. But the truth is more true than the facts. <laughs> and the truth is that we are in a season of growth, expansion, harvest, increase, multiplication. That's, tr that's true for us as a church. It's true in the new covenant, just in general, all the time. Amen. It's time to rejoice. When the new season comes, I said this already, but I'm coming back to it. When the new season comes, it's no longer appropriate to respond in the same way that you responded in the old season. Zechariah probably sat at home with Elizabeth dozens of times and rehearsed the realities of their situation. We're getting older. Another year has gone by. Nothing happening. You still look beautiful, but you're looking older. <laughs> right? And God didn't judge him for saying that at home, on the couch, talking to his wife. But when the season shifted, it's like... You can't act the same way. Something needs to shift in the way you speak. Something needs to shift in the way you act. Something needs to shift in the way we believe. There's some things that are beginning to change and things that are beginning to shift in our church, but it's just king, it's kingdom-wide. All across the earth, things are breaking forth. There's something shifting, and we need to get our mindset and our thoughts and our words and our actions aligned to what's being released from heaven, and that is this is season for breakthrough. This is a season for new things to begin to, to, to break forth, and, and we need to align ourselves to that suddenly the seasons change are we ready for it <laughs> hmm. let's just begin to pray for a minute thank you God thank you Jesus
Thank you, Papa. We thank you for the promises that you've released over us as a church, over us as individuals, God, that, that we are stepping into new seasons, new breakthrough, new uh, increase and in multiplication, harvest, growth. Lord, I'm, uh, those are promises that all of us have in one, in one form or another, and we have it over, a church, over, over our church, and we thank you for it, God. We rejoice in it, God. We shout for joy, God, at what you're about to do, what you're about to release over us, God, what you're about to do that's it. It causes the hearts of men in our region and women in our region and broken lives in our region to begin to be restored. God, you've called us to bring life where there's death. You've called us to bring hope where there's no hope. You've called us to bring uh, healing to the brokenhearted, God. That's what you've said will happen in our lives and in our ministry, God, in this church, God. That's what you've said, and we rejoice in it, God. We thank you for it. It's going to be beautiful, God. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm picturing the building that we're going to have. I'm picturing the space that we're going to have that people are going to flood into, not because we have a really beautiful religious service, but because we have the presence of God and breakthrough for them. We are the uh, that, that picture right there bridge of promise i gotta tell you this guys this is not just a prophetic picture of where we are it's a prophetic picture of who we are we are the bridge of promise we are the bridge that brings those broken people into the place of their promise Yes, there's got to be fulfillment in our own lives and in our church in order for us to, to walk into that prophetic truth. I mean, we've got to experience the breakthrough before we can release it to others. But the reality is it doesn't take 16 years of us having breakthrough before we can start doling it out. As we step into the breakthrough, we can turn right back around and begin to pull people in darkness and pull people in broken situations into freedom, into, into their breakthrough. We are the bridge of promise. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that, God. We thank you, Lord, that you've released the breath of your presence, the breath of your spirit into us, God. And you've caused the dry bones to come alive, to be awakened. God, we thank you for that. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Several prophetic pictures that I've had this morning I want to share a couple of them. Um, one I was just having was the, the picture of Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones. And I told you about my encounter that I had several, I guess a couple months ago now, but um, just where the Lord asked me, can these bones live? Um, and I don't know if I've highlighted quite clearly what the Lord was speaking to me, but he wasn't talking to me about some valley of, of dry bones that I was looking at. He was talking about my life. <laughs> he was talking about me and about our church. He was saying, can these bones live? The picture I was just seeing right now is that as, this, as the bones you know the story in Ezekiel you know the 
the bones come together and they form a mighty army, sinew and flesh begins to form on these bodies. And, and then uh, the Lord speaks uh, to Ezekiel and says, prophesy to the wind that breath would come in them. And what I saw in my spirit just now was as this mighty army begins to form, that they turn around and begin to breathe. (laughs) Once you have the breath of God in you, you breathe, right? That's kind of the point, (laughs) right? But the same breath that we've received, that pneuma, the Holy Spirit breath that comes in, as we get it from the Holy Spirit, we begin to release it around us. We are the bridge of promise for the others in our region, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We're their answer. So that's one picture. This, this morning earlier, I was having um, this picture of what, what does barrenness look like? And the picture that I saw was uh, of a forest that had been ravaged by fire. Everything was black. It was it was desolate. It was it was black and gray. You see the black where the fire has burned and the ash that was left over. It was like that's what barrenness looks like. But as we begin to rejoice in the promise of God, I just saw the sprouting of the green that just begins to burst forth into new life and 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 the new life that comes looks better than the forest did before the fire you know that right it looks better it's all the undergrowth all the stuff that is dry underneath the green anyway is burnt up now and what we have is fresh new growth so that's that's one picture this the other picture that i that i had (laughs) This is kind of funny to me, but I saw a picture of myself and my wife sitting in a car at a stoplight. <laughs> and um, um, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but um, this happens in my world all the time. But I'll, I'll be driving and we're at a stoplight and um, somehow I don't respond quickly enough <laughs> To the turning of the green light. I don't know about the rest of you, but I experienced that. And so what happens is I get the prompting of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Women, you actually are a picture oftentimes of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's green. It's green. And I, I don't know what you all think. This is what I experience. I'm like, I saw it. <laughs> I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Apparently not quickly enough. I don't know. It's like the millisecond that it takes between when I see it and when my foot goes on the gas. It's too long for her. (laughs) But what I saw in my spirit was that picture and just... um, the Holy Spirit, you know why that is, guys, right? They're watching the light. They're waiting for the light. I don't know what we're doing, checking our phone. I don't mean, I don't know what's going on with us, but um, we're um, not as intent on waiting for the, the, it's like we're not poised, like, okay, green's coming, 
here it comes. Here comes the green. Boom. I mean, it's like um, we're kind of waiting more casually. And the Holy Spirit is saying it's time to wake up and get ready because your, your red light is about to turn green. Might be a funny picture, but it's definitely a picture from the Holy Spirit that if you grab a hold of that this morning, begin to anticipate the breakthrough that's coming. Anticipate what's about to take place. Anticipate what you're about to step into. Get your foot ready on the gas. Come on, right? Ha, 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 ha. Why not you stand with me? Oh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, well, we thank you for the prompting of the Holy Spirit this morning. <laughs> we thank you that you're getting us ready for all that we're about to step into. And Lord, we thank you that the red is turning to green, Lord. The barrenness is going to burst forth with, with joy. And Lord, right now, just in the Spirit, we just begin to stretch out our tents, <laughs> make room for the fruitfulness that you're about to bring. Just begin to prophesy that over your own area of, of barrenness. Things that are, it could just be a heart area, could be a, a, a literal area in your life that you see it, but just begin to, just to prophesy over it, to respond to the promise Thank God. Whatever, whatever it looks like for you, just begin to speak out in alignment with what he's releasing over you and, no, and just removing your alignment to the old season. No longer in that old place. No longer uh, the actions and the thoughts and the belief systems of the old season. They're, they're, they're not appropriate once we've entered into the new. So, Lord, we just thank you, God, for breakthrough. We thank you for healings that are taking place, for the, the, the move of the Holy Spirit in our church and in our region through what you've called us to, God. We thank you, God, for the lives that will be restored, for the broken people that will come to know Christ, for the, for the situations that are going to turn around, the, the supernatural invasion uh, in, in our region, God, people beginning to experience angelic visitation, God, and, and answers coming to problems that were absolutely impossible, God. We Thank you for breakthrough in every realm, every sphere, God, in our in our region. God, we just prophesied over ourselves. God, we are going to bring it. We're the promise bearers. We're the ones who are bringing breakthrough, God, to our city and to our region. We just declare it, God. And I just I just I just pray right now, God, that you would help us shift off the old mindsets. You would help us to see ourselves who as who we really are, Lord, in this season and not in seasons past. Who are we in your view right now? And what do we carry? Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. As I've uh, been... Uh in prayer off and on this last week, the Lord was bringing me uh, Mark 4, you know, it talks about the sower and the seeds. And then he was showing me pictures, and I kept seeing these pictures of the seeds breaking through the ground, you know, in rapid acceleration. 
And so now I just release all those seeds that we planted into rapid acceleration in the name of Jesus. They are breaking ground. They are breaking ground in the name of Jesus. This is a really good time for prophetic declaration. So I'm just going to kind of hang right here for a minute and uh, just begin to do that. Each of you, you can come grab the mic or do it from your your spot there. It doesn't matter, but just begin to release prophetic declaration, release praise, maybe. Let's not be silent. Let's not mourn anymore. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I believe the Lord is really speaking a word of increase this morning. There is an increase over everybody here. You were brought here today for a specific reason because God wants to put his finger on each and every one of you in the area of increase. We're expanding the tent increase. We're expanding our hearts and our ability to increase the capacity to experience the Father. So a deeper level of his grace and his love and his mercy and his kindness and his joy. Do not hold back on joy. The word of the Lord this morning is that he wants you to be reckless and exuberant in your joy. Unrestrained joy is what God wants to bring forward in the new wineskin. Joy has been restrained. It has been rebuked by the religious spirit because it doesn't look dignified. But God says, raise up your joy, church. Let's be joyful. Thank you, Jesus, for more joy, God. Hit our hearts deep. Come and compel us to spread our joy to the earth, God, to the far ends of the earth. Let no area be void of your joy, God. Reach our barrenness for that, God, and let that expression come and pour out on your people and the people that don't know you, that don't know you, God. So help us experience you, God. Help us go deep. Increase our capacity to experience your presence and your spirit that we would be transformed. We would be transformed, God. We would be different people. Reach us on a new level, a new dimension, a new incredible experience of walking in you. But God, let us also be grounded in you. Be grounded in your word. Be grounded in your presence and knowing and, and to be led in all things, Jesus. That, God, we would not seek to just fulfill the call, but we would actually be led to feel your presence within the call so that the call would never become more than you. We would never turn that into an idol. In Jesus' name, Lord, let us always seek you. Just like your apostles did, God, they sought you. They sought you. They sought for what you were doing in the moment, and they followed you instead of the call. Let us carry that, God, in all things in Jesus' name. As Joseph was one day in prison and the next day second in command, I just declare over you the readiness and qualification of the Holy Spirit to move from one place 
to the next in Jesus' name. The preparation of God in Jesus' name. We grab a hold of it, God, and we put it on in Jesus' name. And as the Lord did this back then, I'm asking that he does it again to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. We declare it. We declare it. An outpouring of love from the fathers to children and for the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Well, I don't really get into this stuff very often, but um, uh, many of you are probably aware of stuff that's taken place uh, in New York recently, just the, the, just the horrible laws that were passed for a, a late-term abortion. And um, I'm just, uh, you know, if we look at that situation, it might be our natural reaction to mourn. And I'm telling you, just watch and see what the Holy Spirit's about to do. Just watch and see what the Lord is about to release. A revival and a breakthrough in the state of New York like has never been seen before. Lives coming to Christ. People having new uh, understanding and wisdom that they've never had before because the Lord is coming. He's not coming to judge New York. He's coming to release life and breakthrough to, to bring restoration and life. We declare that. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Thank you, Father. <laughs> the Lord sits enthroned in heaven and he laughs. <laughs> you think... You think you're going to do this? You think you're going to go this way? You think that you're going to bind my king with fetters of iron? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, God's really worried now. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we, we rejoice in all that you're about to do in our nation, God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just keep hearing each of our names with either joyful or joyous in front of a, you know, it was like joyful Mark, joyous Teresa, joyful Rachel, joyous Brian, joyful Dale, joyous Dave, <laughs> joyful Marissa. <laughs> What happens to mom brain? Uh, joyous Chris, joyful Monique, joyous Kristen, Kirsten, so sorry, joyful Kirsten, joyful Farah, joyful Noah, joyful Isaac, ha ha ha, joyful Helen, joyful Isabel, joyful Robbie, Lord, I just, yeah, John too, he's joyous, joyous John. But I just feel like God is saying, hey, see yourself, see yourself. I am a joyful one. He calls us joyful. He calls each of us by this name. We will accept his 
identification, you know, then it opens doors for us. There's favor. It's like, oh, I forgot I'm a joyful one. <laughs> well, I'm feeling sad now, but I guess he says I'm joyful. So therefore, I get to choose to be joyful and to be um, overflowing with that. It will change and unlock things. It's a key for us to unlock some breakthrough and some victory because that's who he says we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Mm hmm. Yeah. Go in this your strength. <laughs> the joy, right? That's the joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for uh, partnering with us in ministry this morning for what God's doing. Amen. Awesome. Bless you. Grab some coffee and some snacks and fellowship. Love you.